are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, we can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But for today's show, what are we talking about today? Well, it's almost Christmas time, so I figured we'll do our Christmas list for Santa Hazen, what we want from him after this CBA lockout, what we want in our stockings after this offseason. So that's what we're going to be talking about on today's pod. But before we get there, I first want to say thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please tell your friends. But now let's jump into our Christmas wish list that we're bringing to Santa Hazen this offseason. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ho, 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 back to the podcast and let's discuss our Chris. Christmas wish list this offseason for Santa Mike Hazen. And the first thing that I'm putting at the top of my Christmas wish list for Santa Hazen is more bullpen arms. The bullpen, in my opinion, was the most disappointing thing out of this season. The lineup wasn't great, but yeah, Ketel Marte missed a lot of games, as did, as did Cole Calhoun and a Christian Walker. Those were basically your three, your three of your top four biggest sluggers missing multiple games during the season. Eduardo Escobar was really the only slugger that stayed healthy for the D-backs, but again, he was traded mid he was traded at pretty close to the midseason deadline, so he's no longer on the team. Varsho, he's a slugger, but he didn't take off really until the second half of the season, so I don't even really count him. The starters were disappointing too, but their top four dudes missed at least a month, so how much could you really blame the starters for not living up to expectations? There were flashes and stretches with the Kelly and a Bumgarner, but both of their momentums were stopped by injuries or COVID. Gallon was in and out of the rotation, and Luke Weaver missed an extended period of time. Even Widener got hurt early, so I can at least make excuses for the lineup and the the starters with injuries as to why they might have not been performing that well but the bullpen was just downright terrible Soria Joaquin Soria that is and Chris Davinsky let me make sure I put their full names out there because those were two offseason signings that just didn't work out by Mike Hazen I'll give him credit for Tyler Clipper but I feel like Soria and Davinsky definitely didn't work out Taylor Clark Matt Peacock J.B. Braskakis Corbin Martin Riley Smith Alex Young Stefan Cryan Kevin Ginko Humberto Mejia Brent Gauss that's like 10 of the top 12 I don't even know how many guys I just named that's like 10 of the top 12 relievers they were all atrocious for the D-backs 
past season. Soria was the only one with an ERA below 4.9 at a 4.3, and he was traded at the deadline as well. So that means every bullpen guy the D-backs had at the end of the season that pitched at least like 20 innings for the team had an ERA of at least 4.9. So just think about that one for a second. D-backs had only five relievers who pitched at least 25 innings and had an ERA plus of at least 125, which is considered good, I guess. That is Joe Mantipoli, Noah Ramirez, Caleb Smith, when you just break down his splits as a reliever, Tyler Gilbert and Tyler Clippard. Ramirez was only one above 135, was the only one with uh Ramirez was the only one with an ERA plus above 135 with an ERA plus of 156. If you want a example of another team and how their bullpen shakes up with the ERA plus, just look at the Miami Marlins. You know, we don't consider them that good of a team. They were kind of in the middle, I want to say, last season uh, in terms of the overall perception of them in baseball. But they had six dudes with an ERA plus of at least 140. The D-backs had only one in Noah Ramirez. So they need to get some more high leverage talented arms in the back end of this bullpen and Mike Hazen has talked about how he wants to add more power to the bullpen because the D-backs desperately need it here I got a quote here from Mike Hazen listen to this directly from Mike Hazen I think we need to do a better job of adding power to our bullpen I think we need to I think we need to do a better job of adding swing and miss in those moments where we're not leaving it up to a ball being put in play is going to end up beating you I will also tell you that not walking guys need to be part of an elite bullpen so what Mike Hazen is basically saying to sum it up if you uh, want me to simplify for you is we need more power guys we need more swing and miss guys in the bullpen because we don't want to have to leave it up to uh, a ground ball pitcher pitching to contact and whether his uh, whether the person at the play is batting average and balls in play whether that's good or bad we don't want to leave it up to chance with the batting average and balls in play let's go after dudes that can just strike out the guy and not pitch to contact and you just take out that possibility there's no possibility for an error or a run scoring if the ball doesn't leave the infield if the ball never gets put in play so that's what Mike Hazen is going to try to go after some dudes in the bullpen that just wipes away the possibility of putting a ball in play because the D-backs did not have enough of that last season. D-backs, here are some numbers for you to really illustrate how badly the D-backs need some power arms. D-backs had slowest fastball by relievers in the National League at 92.3 miles per hour and worst strikeouts per nine at 7.75. They were actually six best in walks per nine, so that actually wasn't the biggest reason why the D-backs were terrible. Even though they seem to always have runners on base, it wasn't always through walking, mostly through hard contact, as they gave up the fifth most home runs per nine in the National League. Worst average against also. So they just gave up a lot of hits at 272 average. That was the worst in the National League. Second worst was 248. So they cleared it by like 25 points. They had the worst hard hit percentage too at 35.6%. And this is just their bullpen stats, not their overall pitching stats, just reliever stats. D-backs, slowest among all NL teams in terms of the fastball, worst at striking out dudes per nine innings, fifth most home runs per nine, worst batting average against, worst hard hit percentage. This team needs a lot of work this offseason in their bullpen. They've had a good start to the offseason, though, signing Mark to Shark Melanson, which is huge, but even though that's huge, that doesn't help the lack of power. That doesn't help the need for more 
power arms in this bullpen because Mark Melanson just flat out isn't a power guy. He's an all-star, don't get me wrong. He's a stud dude and he's going to help out the D-backs a ton in that bullpen, but he's a ground ball guy and the D-backs are still going to be in the need for a power arm in this market. There have been some rumors and rumblings about maybe the D-backs being interested in a Hunter Strickland, which I like a lot. Now, Hunter Strickland is not a role as Chapman, okay? Don't get the two confused, but he does have a mid-90s fastball, sits around 95 miles per hour in the past, has been as high as like 97, and a career strikeout percentage around 22%. I think Hunter Strickland is a pretty good option if the D-backs want to go after him, but looking at this D-backs team, number one on my Christmas offseason wish list for Santa, Mike Hazen, I think has to be the bullpen. I think this was the worst part of the D-backs team during the 2021 season. I think Mike Hazen knows the bullpen needs a lot of help. And I think this is going to be the area that gets attacked the most after the offseason lockout. Now, we'll talk about some other things I got on my Christmas wish list for Mike Hazen. But this episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. as DirecTV.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. Let's continue, ho, 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 with our Christmas wish list for Santa, Mike Hazen. And next up on my wish list is third base. Third base is a major hole for the D-backs after the Eduardo Escobar trade during uh, during the season. And also, you can't forget, they also traded Adrubal Cabrera. So the top two guys who played third base for this D-backs team at the start of the season were not there by the All-Star break. So who replaced those guys during the season? Well, it was mostly a Josh Van Meter and even a little Drew Ellis. Of the guys still on the roster, Van Meter played the most games at third base, followed by Drew followed by a Drew Ellis. Van Meter was an abomination at third base. He was absolutely oh, excuse me. Hopefully that didn't mess you guys up. Hold on. Let me lock my mic in place. I don't know how it fell over. All right, let's get back into it. Josh Van Meter was an abomination manning third base. He had seven errors in 182 innings pitch for an 885, eight for a 88.5% fielding percentage. And for, excuse me, just let me just stop the pod real quick. The reason why I had that little mishap just now is because for the people who are not watching the YouTube stream, my mic fell over. So that's why you heard that little weird part. A little weird pause just now. Just a little heads up as to what was going on for the people who couldn't see it. Not watching YouTube. Mike fell over, picked it back up. We are back and rolling. So let's continue on. Talk about Josh Van Meter. Van Meter batted 167 with a 474 OPS on the days he played third base. He was just flat out not productive for the D-backs. I'm surprised this guy seriously is a major leaguer. He feels more like that quad A. What is it called? Quad A kind of guy. A guy who is... Too good for AAA, but not really good enough for the major leagues. I think Josh Van Meter kind of falls in between that area. I really don't love a Josh Van Meter. And if he's getting consistent playing time in 2022, I think that means the D-backs are in for another rough season if we see 
80 plus games of a Josh Van Meter. So hopefully we don't see too much of him next season. Drew Ellis did not look ready at the plate at all. And how could he? He was like a rookie. He's like 25, 26 years old. So I don't think he's really ready yet. Defensively, he looked fine. But offensively, he did not look good. The in-house options, I think, are just terrible across the board. One in-house option that would have been interesting in spring training next season think would have been an Andrew Young, who just seemed to always have pretty good hard contact numbers whenever he stepped up to the plate for the D-backs. But the issue is he was taken like number three. It was even number two or number three overall in the Rule 5 draft. So adios, Andrew Young. I don't know why the D-backs didn't protect you. So we'll see you maybe again in the future. It is possible that that the D-backs think about maybe moving a Josh Rojas to third base, but that doesn't seem like the best position for him. He tore it up at the plate when he played right field last season. He batted like 355 as a right fielder, so I think I would rather see him as a right fielder. He's athletic enough to cover the area out there. He's going to need to work on it, though. Right field can be very tough defensively, so I think that's the defensively is probably the area that's going to be the toughest for him in that position but offensively whenever he's played right field he somehow stepped up to the plate I don't know why but he's better as a right fielder offensively than basically any other position so I like Rojas in right field Drew Ellis just doesn't seem to be ready and I'm like I said I'm just out on a Josh Van Meter someone like Geraldo Perdomo I think would be pretty wishful thinking Uh, If you wanted him to play third base next season, I like him more as a shortstop and I wouldn't mind getting Nick Ahmed out of there because I think Nick Ahmed is absolutely cooked as an offensive player. Don't get me wrong. Ahmed is still one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball, but he is a complete liability offensively and for a D-backs team that was not good overall defensively or offensively. I think I would rather sacrifice the defense for offense and put like a Perdomo or Josh Rojas at shortstop maybe more of a Perdomo would be my preference uh, just because that seems to be more of a natural fit Ahmed I think could be good for a contender next season that's shortstop needy if they already have a, a, a core of four or five really good offensive players like a Red Sox or a Yankees maybe if they were just missing a defensive shortstop I think Ahmed would work there I think Jonathan Villar is someone that could be an interesting option for this D-backs team. I talked with Ryan Fingelstein of Lockdown Mets about this on my pod last week. It was either, I think it was Friday's pod, so go back and catch up on that podcast if you might have missed it. But Villar is someone that could play multiple infield positions, and it might not be great defensively at any of them, but he's at least average in like three of them. He's going to be 31, so I don't think he's going to be super expensive because of his age. He's averaged 16 home runs and 39 stolen bases per 162 games throughout his career. He's probably on a decline, so that doesn't bode well for his 26% career strikeout percentage, but he has pretty good hard contact rate numbers throughout his career, and this D-backs, this D-backs team desperately needs dudes that can hit the ball hard, drive the ball to all parts of the field, can get the extra base hit, so Villar would be a perfect option in that area. If I want to get wild with my third base, Chris Bryant is someone that I would absolutely love because my dream third baseman for the D-backs is someone that's a power bat. I could put in the middle of my lineup, can grind out at bats, get on base, and that's someone more like Chris Bryant. I know it's probably a pipe dream. I know there's no way the D-backs are ponying up the money for Chris Bryant, and Chris Bryant himself probably doesn't want to come to a pretty dysfunctional, not very competitive D-backs organization, but 
to steal him away from a team like the San Francisco Giants, who were so good last year. If they lost Buster Posey to retirement, Kevin Gosman to the Blue Jays, and then Chris Bryant to the D-backs, I would have to talk major crap to Ben Caspic. So just for that fact, I would love to see Chris Bryant come to the D-backs, even though I know it's probably a pipe dream. Now, we'll wrap up the pod with my final my final wish on my off-season Christmas wish list for Mike Hazen. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy when you get a Built Bar because it comes in so many delicious flavors. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you'll need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. Your friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in those stockings. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Bilt Bars into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Like some of those marshmallowy, like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're just like a s'mores. Absolutely delicious. Just go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. This episode is also, is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod by talking about my final wish on my off-season Christmas wish list. Ho, ho, ho for Santa Mike Hazen. It is another quality frontline starter to pair with a Zach Gallon. As much as I like the eight-game stretches of brilliance by the Bumgarner or by Merrill Kelly or the no-hitter by Tyler Gilbert, the D-backs need another frontline starter to pair with Zach Gallon if they really want to put a competitive team on the field next season like Mike Hazen talks about because I think that's more Mike Hazen kind of BSing us and trying to do a little GM speak than being realistic because if he wants to put a competitive team on the field next season, we need to upgrade that number two spot behind a Zach Gallon. Luke Weaver, Luke Weaver, Luke Weaver, Luke Weaver, man, 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 Luke Weaver, you have missed a ton of time two of the past three seasons with injury, which is really concerning to me. He was absolutely terrible in 2020 when it came to hard contact and walking folks. He bounced back some in 2021, but that's because he became overly reliant on two pitches. I feel like that's just not sustainable, especially if you want this guy to grow into a frontline starter. I just don't know if it can happen for Luke Weaver anymore. The dude just doesn't stay on the field enough. And the guy who really just wants to throw a fastball and change up the two most predictable pitches probably in baseball, I just don't think he could turn into a number two starter that way. So I'm probably done waiting on the Luke Weaver breakout season. 
Bumgarner isn't as bad as what he showed in 2020, but he's at best a number three starter at this point of his career. And the sad thing is he's getting paid like a number one. He got a couple of ticks on his fastball back last season, which is going to be really helpful for him moving forward. It's even slightly encouraging, but still, he's going to be 32 years old, and that's pretty old for a Bumgarner. 32 years old usually in baseball is not that old, but for Bumgarner, who broke in at age 19, who's been to multiple World Series, has pitched into really really late into the season into the baseball season October consistently been to multiple world series as I said so he pitched deep into ball games or pitched deep into seasons before he's been a 200 inning guy throughout his career multiple seasons with 200 innings so he's been a workhorse throughout his career so I think his arm is a little bit older than a lot of guys who are age 32 in baseball D-backs would be blessed if they could move him somehow during the season and get the money off his books but Either way, I think he's probably no better than a number three starter. Merrill Kelly, I think, is a really nice story. I think he's a better pitcher than the perceived general perception of him because I think a lot of people just think he's probably not that good. Every time Javi brings up Merrill Kelly, he talks about him like he's garbage. But no, Merrill Kelly is a really solid player. He's probably more of a back-end starter than anything. And he's just a guy that could eat a ton of innings for your rotation and can limit dudes getting on the bases, which is ultimately what you want from back-end starter. But that's exactly what he is, a back-end starter. I don't think Merrill Kelly is a frontline starter. I don't think he's a number one or a number two. I don't think he's really the guy he might have shown the potential to be during that 2020 season where he was basically going start for start, matching start for start with his Zach Allen. I don't think he's really that guy, but either way he's a really good start a uh, really good story he's a pretty good starter more of a back-end starter I really like Merrill Kelly I really respect Merrill Kelly but overall he's not a frontline starter to pair with a Zach Gallon. Tyler Gilbert's skill set is one that just won't allow him to be an ace he's not a power guy he's not a strike thrower He's more of a ground ball pitcher. He's got a high 80s fastball. Like this is a dude who's like 25 years old and his fastball tops out at 89 miles per hour. Like he's going to be pitching to contact. Just the skill set with Tyler Gilbert, it's just not sustainable enough over a long term period to be a guy who's consistently around 2-5 ERA. Like Tyler Gilbert's probably going to be a guy who fluctuates with that ERA time to time because he's going to be pitching to contact and trying to, you know, pitch to a... not to non-hard contact. That's what he wants to do. He wants to pitch a non-hard contact. So Tyler Gilbert, whenever you want to pitch a contact, it usually means you can't be an ace. So I'm probably out on Tyler Gilbert being a frontline starter one day in the future. I think Taylor Widener is interesting. I like the way his season started. I like the way his season finished, but I think he's going to be more of a power arm out the bullpen in his future. That's why I kind of see for Taylor Widener. I don't really see frontline starter written for him either. Even though I really do like him, I think I like him even more than Tyler Gilbert. I think he has a skill set that that's more built for modern baseball. He's got like a mid to high 90s fastball, but I think I like him more as a potential seventh inning guy working his way in high leverage moments for this D-backs team as a potential righty specialist. 
Corbin Martin might be the most interesting in-house option the D-backs have. He could potentially catapult himself into this conversation next season as a frontline starter, but the way his 2021 season went, it was so bad. I think this is going to be a guy who we're going to see steady progression from, but it's not going to be an overnight thing with Corbin Martin. I don't think we're going to wake up and it's going to be June and we're going to be like, whoa, Corbin Martin is the second best pitcher on the D-back staff right now. He is balling and he is the D-backs number two starter of the future behind Zach Allen. I don't think we're going to be saying that this early in Martin's career in June or anything in 2022. I think Corbin Martin's more of a guy who's going to be maybe in the low fours next season, mid threes in 2023, and then maybe by 2024, you're like, all right, this guy's ready to take the leap, and this guy's ready to be a breakout star, or maybe it's in 2023 that it happens, but I don't think in 2022, Corbin Martin's ready to be the guy that we want him to be or expect him to be. So I'm going to be a little bit more patient with a Corbin Martin. I don't think Brent Strom is going to change a Corbin Martin in one offseason just because they work together in Houston. So like I said before, we're going to be patient with Corbin Martin's development. Zach Allen has showed that he can be a number one guy working for your rotation, but we need to get someone to compliment Zach Allen. So I got a crazy proposal for the D-backs here, a crazy name that I think could really be a high risk, high reward for the D-backs and the perfect guy to pair with is Zach Allen. And that is Carlos Rondon. I know it sounds bananas. Carlos Rondon, why would the D-backs do it? How could the D-backs do it? Why would Carlos Rondon do it? I know there's a lot of questions with that name, but he finally put it all together last season at age 28 to the tune of an all-star appearance. Injuries have limited him throughout his career, including 2021. 2021 could be the outlier year in his career because he had no season where he looked as good as he did this past year. But teams might be hesitant to throw him the bag because of Everything I just said, 2021 could be the outlier year, and he's never really been able to stay healthy throughout his career. He's a pretty damn good arm. He's really a potential ace if 2021 was real. I don't think he's going to be crazy expensive because of all the red flags he has. So this could be the perfect high-risk, high-reward move that the D-backs want to do. We know that they want to add talent without spending big money, so maybe Carlos Rondon is the answer to that question. Would Mike Hazen or the D-backs uh, front office do it? I'm not entirely sure, but giving Scott Boris a call, I don't think would be the worst thing in the world. So D-backs get on the phone and make a call to Scott Boris about the price tag for Carlos Rondon. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen of the day. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news, coverage, and insight. As always, don't forget to stay safe and stay healthy out there. Don't forget to make your second listen of the day. Locked on bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. If you want to get some extra money in your pocket, holiday season is coming around. It's almost Christmas time. So please go check out Built.com and Bet Online so you can get all the greatest promo offers because those guys are going to be hooking you up for Christmas. And as I always say, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!